Okay, we're going to have Leah and Catherine come on up here. They're going to pray for you. Put your hands together for Leah and Catherine. Woo! Okay. Ugh, look at you girls. It's great. Now, girls, where are you from? Darian Rafu. Darian Rafu, Dastis, where are you? Yeah. Here, that S6 is great. Well done. Um, what school do you go to, girls? Uh, Loretto College in Coleraine. Are you Loretto College? Le Coleraine Grammar. Coleraine Grammar, Loretto College. Coleraine Schools. Well done. Super. Peppa, come on down here. Peppa Baker, everybody. Our speaker for this evening. Now, Peppa, I'm going to get this right. You are <coughs> a full-time missionary with the Catholic Charismatic Renewal and also Worship Collective One Hope Project. Is that correct? I got it. You can give me a round of applause for getting that right. Feel free. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Girls, over to you. You're going to pray for Pippa. Dear Lord, we just want to thank you for the great day we've had today um, and all the opportunities that have been presented to us. Um, and we ask you that you just be with us for the rest of this weekend um, while we spend time with all of our friends. Uh, we ask you that you be with Pippa as she talks to us tonight through your word. And we also ask that you be with the worship team. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Give a round of applause to Leah and Catherine. Very brave coming up here. Yes. And another big summer man is welcome to Pippa. It's her first time here. So give her a big summer man is welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Oh, it's so good to be here with you. I'm just going to rearrange the stage. How has your day been? Good? Oh, man, I've had a great day. I love summer madness. Um, what a joy it is to be here with you. I've met a bunch of you throughout the last couple of days. And um, wow, you guys, you guys are great. Um, like Simon said, so I work full-time as a, uh, a lay missionary within the Catholic Church, um, and I, I lead a worship collective called One Hope Project. We're a bunch of um, worshippers with a real heart for unity, for being in God's presence, for giving him praise, and we particularly really want to bring this kind of spirit-filled worship experience into uh, our, our church context, which is the Catholic Church. Um, um, it's just such a privilege to be here and to see what God is going to do tonight. Before I gave up my job, which was six years ago, I used to work in advertising in central London. And I worked on some amazing pieces of business that you guys may well have heard of. The last account I managed was the Cadbury account. Do you guys have Cadbury chocolate over here? Oh, you guys... I got loads of free chocolate. It was so nice. Before that, I worked on the L'Oreal account. So I used to get lovely free shampoo and makeup. That was great. I, um, this won't be of interest to you, but I worked on the Smirnoff vodka account. So I used to get free vodka. Doesn't really do it for me. Having said that, I, am occasionally, I quite enjoy an occasional gin and tonic. And I used to get Gordon's gin for free. Lovely. Um, we have a really premium butter in England called Lurpak. I used to get free Lurpak. That was such a plus. And uh, worked on Mercedes, didn't get a free car. Oh. But now I work for the church, so I practically work for free. Yay! Um, so so power, power to change, what a theme. What an amazing theme that these guys have prayed about for you. And I don't know about you, but when I hear those words, power to change, it does make me feel a little bit like wriggly and a bit uncomfortable, like, oh my days. They're calling us out of our comfort zone 
with those words, power to change. And it got me thinking about comfort zones. You know, this might actually be a little bit out of your comfort zone. This experience, this kind of worship, meeting loads of new people, particularly if you're new to this, or even just camping. <laughs> that could be a bit out of your comfort zone. And it got me thinking about an experience I had which really called me out of my comfort zone. When I was 21, I was really passionate about um, worship and I wanted to learn more about worship. And so I flew to California and I went to um, a church called Bethel Church and I went to their school of supernatural worship for a summer, which was awesome. I love to sing. And so I was there to kind of sing to the Lord and to worship the Lord in that way. Now, on the first day of school, I felt the Lord say to me, now, just to say, when I say things like, or when we say things like, I felt the Lord say to me, it's not like the sky's ripped open and God went, Pippa. Like, he doesn't do that. Sometimes maybe we think that might be what it's like. When we talk about God speaking to us, it's more like there's like an impression, like a movement in our hearts or something comes into our imagination. I'm sure you've experienced that before. So yeah, it was the first day of school and I felt the Lord say to me that he wanted me to go to a dance class. And I was like, oh, no, Lord, I'm here to sing. And anyway, basically a little battle ensued between me and the Lord. God won out. I went to this dance class and um, everyone was there who were, were there were dancers. And I just rocked up in my Converse and my jeans. And basically the first thing that we had to do was we had to get into pairs. And there was this lovely little American lady who's our dance teacher. And she said, okay, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna lie down and we're gonna ask God for a word or a picture for our neighbor. And then we're gonna dance it over them. Dance, dance it over them. I was so angry at God. So I lay down. I was like, I don't know what the heck is going on. I said to God, you better give me a really clear, simple image like a tree. You know, what? what I don't know what's going on. So I lay down. God gives me this picture of a crossword puzzle with like all these jumbled letters in it. And I'm thinking, <laughs> okay. And then all these jumbled letters, this hand came across this, this crossword puzzle and it spelt out, oh, how I love you, my daughter. Lovely picture, Lord, but how do you dance that? So honestly, this is God's grace. I did do the dance. I did the crossword dance, but I think it's the Lord's grace that I genuinely, I think he's removed it from my memory. So in this moment, I don't have to reenact the crossword dance. Oh, come on, Benai! <laughs> it was probably a little bit robotic. I don't even know. Anyway, um, guys, getting out of our comfort zone is important. I think the kingdom of God is found outside of comfort zones. I reckon that. So, so last night, Rachel spoke so beautifully about the heart of our God. The reckless, loving heart of our Father, who is for us, not against us, who loves us beyond all telling. The heart of God is deep and it's beating for you. But tonight, I want to look at our hearts. I want to look at our hearts. Did you know how important your heart is to God? When we think about power to change these words, we can think about what needs to change in our lives. 
But I just want to focus a little bit on how God changes us, on how he changes us. And one fundamental way that God changes us is through our permission, is through giving our permission to God. There was a guy called St. Augustine. You may well have heard of him. He's super, super, super famous dude, lived in the 300s. And he said something that really inspires me. And I think it's fascinating. He said, God created us without our help, but he won't save us without our consent. So in other words, whether you like it or not, God thinks you're a good idea. He created you without your help, but he will not completely change your life without you giving him permission. He so respects your free will. He won't force himself upon you. And I want to connect this to our hearts. Okay, so, so why our hearts? You'll be relieved to know this isn't a lecture on an organ. I am absolutely not qualified to give that. I, got, I don't know what I got in GCSE science. But um, it's also not right to think that our hearts are just our emotions or just our affections, which is often what we think about, isn't it, when we think about our hearts. If you think about it, when a woman goes to have her tummy scanned when she's pregnant, what's the first thing that they do? They indicate a heartbeat, right? They indicate a heartbeat. Oh, yeah, there's, there's a heartbeat. Why do they do that? Well, because a heartbeat means life. And our heart is our lives. Our heart is the depths of who we are. It's who we are at our deepest level. Your heart contains everything that's happened to you, everything that's going on right now, and everything you desire for the future is found in your heart. And from the heart comes our behavior, our words, our activity, our hopes, our thoughts. Everything flows from the heart. And there is so much in the Bible about this. If you want to jot down some um, scriptures, Proverbs 4, 23, this is a fascinating one, says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Jesus said that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. <laughs> so what's in our hearts will eventually come out sometime. Pope Francis says that everything passes through the human heart. Okay, so I think that we need to take our hearts a bit more seriously, right? So what's in our hearts? What's in our hearts? I do my prayer time every morning. I love to pray in the morning. It really sets me up for the day. And um, I read a book, just a small amount of a book, um, just as I begin my prayer before I have my Bible time. And it says this, I meant to get this on a slide, so just tune in a minute because I forgot, I'm sorry. But it says this, I love this image of the heart that this book gives us. It says, within the heart are unfathomable depths. There are many reception rooms and bedchambers in it, doors and porches and many offices and passages. The heart is Christ's palace. There, Christ the King comes to take his rest. 
with the angels and the saints, and he dwells there, walking within it and placing his kingdom there. I love this image. Your heart is a palace. Your heart is a palace. And Jesus himself lives there. Put your hand on your heart. Feel it beating. Jesus lives there. If you are a Christian, he has decided that your heart is worthy of his home. So it got me thinking, if God is walking around my heart, if God is walking around your heart, does he have an all-access pass? Can he access all areas? Um, I don't know, if, has anyone ever been backstage at like a venue or anything like that in like a, a big theatre or a, a concert place? I do a bit of singing and I used to study drama at university. And so I've been backstage a few times and it's quite fun. It's quite, it feels quite cool. When I was at university, I used to come back um, in my summers and I used to do kind of internships with publishing agencies. And I got chummy with this uh, woman who was a stylist. And she asked me to come and basically just be a runner on this show on a Sky's very, <laughs> not very good version of The X Factor. Has anyone ever heard of Must Be The Music? Yeah, I expected that. <laughs> it wasn't very good. Anyway, I went and I, it was quite cool. And Fern Cotton was like the host and she's a babe. And um, Dizzy Rascal, you guys probably don't even know who Dizzy Rascal is. He's basically like, oh, do you know? Yeah, pioneer of, of the grime scene. Um, and Jamie Cullum, who's a jazz musician, they were like the hosts. Oh, sorry, they were the judges. Anyway, basically, I was just minding my own business, just kind of grabbing the coffees and teas most of the time. But there was one day I was sat backstage, and we'd heard that Dizzy's mate, DJ Trend, his name was, had just passed away. And so Dizzy had like this T-shirt made to um, commemorate his friend. Now, we'd done a lot of pre-recorded content, but this was the first live show. It was a Saturday night. And so Dizzy had had this T-shirt made saying RIP DJ Trend on it. So it was like pretty important. Anyway, I was sat in the, back, in the backstage room minding my own business when Dizzy's manager came out with the T-shirt in hand. And she said to me, this is Dizzy's T-shirt for tonight. He needs it ironing. Don't mess it up. I was like, oh my days. I'm not the most domesticated at any time. Anyway, so I was obviously channeling like, what would mum do? And then um, I flipped it inside out. I thought, okay, you're not gonna, you don't iron onto the logo, obviously, that's stupid. I'll turn it inside out. Anyway, friends, I started to iron and the logo was getting attached Oh my gosh, there's a heartbeat. Are you giving a heartbeat right now? Yeah, is it making a heart go? Um, the, the logo was getting attached to the other side of the t-shirt. We had to get four combs to try and prize this logo off the other side of the t-shirt. Guys, it was the proudest moment of my life seeing my ironed t-shirt on Dizzy Rascal that night. Can I have a round of applause for my ironing skills? Beautiful. Next time you, uh, next time you uh, iron a t-shirt for a grime artist, we can have a chat. Anyway, um, when you're on working on a show like that, um, not everyone has access all areas passes, right? 
Not everyone does. Um, I certainly didn't. I was just a runner. I was just allowed in one room. And it, it really got me thinking, does Jesus have access all areas to your heart? You know, there are many parts of my heart where I feel like, yeah, totally. Me and God talk about that. We go, we go to that part of my heart, that part of my life. We talk openly and honestly about that. But has he got the go ahead to go everywhere he pleases? Perhaps there are parts of my heart where he's not king, where, where he's just Lord over a few choice areas. Because remember, God only goes where he's given permission. So tonight, I want to talk about walls, rooms, caves, and tombs. Say that with me. Walls, rooms, caves, tombs. Walls, rooms, caves, tombs. When I was writing this, I didn't even realise it rhymed. I got so excited when I walls, rooms, caves, and tombs. It rhymes. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Um, over the years of me following Jesus, I've tried to stay in touch with my heart because I, I consider it to be really, really important. And I was working out, is there anything blocking him? The answer is, if you are a human, <laughs> there's always going to be a few things that maybe do block us from the Lord's love that we kind of resist. And I want to say that as we look at this stuff tonight, this isn't condemnation. This is not condemnation. But I really believe, I feel very strongly that the Lord wants to pour out his freedom tonight. That he wants to access new parts of our hearts if we will let him. So walls. The first thing that can often block God are walls. Walls of resistance. I, it turns out I'm really good at building walls. <laughs> I'm really good at resisting God. Sometimes these walls can look like hardness of heart. It's just a bit like, nah, you're all right, God. That's okay. You know, you just stay at a safe distance. It's like when we hear something in church and we instantly feel like a rejection of it. Just like, mm, not for me. Fine for everyone else, but not for me. Or, or when we only read the bits of the Bible that please us and we just skip over the stuff which has given us instruction about particular parts of our hearts, a wall of resistance to listen. Or it, it could be that we have a wall of apathy. It, like, it's not that you fervently disagree, but it's kind of like, I don't really care. Which actually is like another form of resistance if you think about it. I'm just not wanting you to come close, God. Or, or maybe it's a wall of pride. Just like, I don't really need your help. What, what walls do is that they say to God, I don't really need you. Now, sometimes these walls can become rooms. Sometimes these walls can become rooms. And... A room, by its nature, has a door on it, right? And we can purposefully close the door, put on a sign, and say, keep out. It's, 
And rooms imply ownership, don't they? So it's like when I was younger and my mum used to say, tidy up. And I would say, it's my room. It is my room, which is ridiculous because the house belongs to my parents or whoever you live with. But it's like ownership. It's mine. So sometimes we can do this with parts of our heart, with parts of our life, like a room of relationships. You know, almost saying, ah, I'm not willing to let that person go even if I know that they're not really good for me, even if I know the Lord doesn't really want me to be with this person, I'm unwilling to let the Lord into that room. Or it could be that we have a room like which has just got our plans and our dreams for our future all stored away in it. And we, we don't let the Lord into that. It could be that we, we have a room where we refuse to let God into our, like our money, our spending, it's my money. I will do with it as I please. It could be that we have a room of like unforgiveness in our hearts. You know, I, we kind of say to ourselves, I want to hate that person. I have a right to. So I will just lock that feeling, all of that unforgiveness. I'll put it in a room and I won't get, go there with God. It could be that we have a room of like, you know, a difficult relationship with a family member and we're just unwilling to speak to the Lord about it. So we just close the door and we say, keep out God. It could be that we're unwilling to let God into our doubts or our fears. We just don't want to talk about it. So I just stay in the shallows. The thing is, rooms, if they're there long enough, can become caves. They can become caves. And these, these are like rooms, but they're much more serious. The walls are much thicker. You know, if you think about it, a room you can enter in and out of, right? But a cave, you kind of just want to hide in there. You just want to hide in there. There's still an opening. A cave still has some light coming in, but it could be that there's some areas in our lives where we're just feeling really hopeless. This could be a cave. It could be that we've lived there a long time and we haven't let God into it, so we don't know how to. But then sometimes these caves, what can happen is the stone can get rolled across the front of the cave and the cave can become a tomb. And this is where we can feel completely powerless. Completely powerless about how this thing in our life is ever going to change. This is where things like habitual sin can really take over you know, it could be that we, we're really struggling with lying. I, I'm sad to say, but I did. When I was a teenager, I used to lie a lot. And it, it's like I got into this cycle. And it's like I didn't know how to change it. It, it could be that we're really struggling with addiction to pornography 
and masturbation. And we're just like, how the heck do I get out? It could be that you're struggling with sexual sin with your girlfriend or your boyfriend and you've tried to change the patterns, but you just can't quite know how to. It's like, it feels like it's a bit powerless. You know, there could be so many things, drinking and swearing, whatever it might be, where we just feel like there's a part of our hearts, a part of our lives where we're like, nah, that feels a bit dead. It could be that that unforgiveness has become like an inner vow. Like, I will never forgive this person as long as I live. Or maybe there's just so many wounds in our hearts, just so many things in our lives that have just hurt us, that you just feel powerless in the face of it. Maybe you're struggling with an eating disorder and you've just hidden it away so long, it's like a tomb. Tombs are really dark places, and I remember this from my life. I grew up in a, in a happy Christian home. I feel very blessed to say that. Wonderful parents. And when I was um, five, we, used to go to, we started going to these big Catholic charismatic events. And um, I was, I'd received, obviously, I was, I was baptized when I was a baby and received the Holy Spirit when I was baptized. But when I was five, I had a new infilling of the Holy Spirit. And so I, um, I start, I've been speaking in tongues since I was five. I've seen healings, miracles since I was a little girl. Oh, glory to God. And then, but when I got to about 17, a bit like Rachel was saying last night, things just became a bit hazy and I was grappling primarily with like moral stuff like why do we do what we do as Christians and this image formed in my mind of God and I felt that God just didn't really want me to have fun and I love having fun (laughs) I still love having fun and I just had this image in my mind that God wanted to trap me he just wanted me to live a boring life And this image I had of God, wall, it was like a wall went up in my heart of resistance. Like, nah, you're all right, God. I, you know, you don't want me to have fun. You don't love me. You don't want me to be free. So then what I decided to do is I decided to take my happiness into my own hands. Control. That was like a room. (laughs) Close the door on Pip's happiness. I will do what I want. And I will please myself. And I started to live, like, to be honest, quite selfishly. I got into patterns of sin. I started dating a guy that wasn't a Christian. And all that was important to me somehow just had lost its uh, potency, I guess, because I was so determined to do my life without God. Now, I realized that the walls were getting thicker and thicker and thicker because around the same time, Um, I was actually suffering with severe anxiety. And um, I know that there will be people here tonight that are really, that's your day-to-day experience. And if you don't suffer with anxiety, I know that you will know people that do. And so you will know how crippling it is. For me, it got really bad in my second year of university. 
I used to, there were times when I couldn't even exit my room. I couldn't leave my bedroom. And um, I used to have to take out clubbing, like a brown paper bag and a bottle of water, because I'd be so nervous about having a panic attack. Um, and there was this one night, you wouldn't have really been able to tell. <laughs> I was good at acting. And I think we're all pretty good at acting when it comes to kind of hiding the stuff in our hearts. But uh, there was this one night, and I remember that it was one of those nights that everyone's like, this is going to be the best night ever. You know those ones that everyone's like, we got a new outfit, everyone's getting excited. I think it was someone's birthday. Anyway, we're out and we're clubbing and it's like, fake it till you make it. This isn't that fun. <laughs> we all know it, but we're all pretending that we're having a great time. Anyway, that night, I got back into my university digs and I was lying in bed, it was 3 a.m. And I was thinking, wow, my life has got really dark. I, I now know that it was like I was experiencing a bit of a tomb. And I was face to face with, with my own powerlessness. With, with my own helplessness, with my own littleness. I knew I needed saving, but I couldn't save myself. So I said to Jesus, Lord, I, I need you. I, I need you to come. I need you to come and save me. And God in his goodness, I had this profound encounter with Jesus in my tiny little student bedroom. And he came and he filled me with light and grace. And he called me to change my life. It's like when Jesus calls Lazarus out of the tomb and he says, Lazarus, come out. He was saying that to me, Pippa, come out. Come and live for more. And tonight, friends, I believe the Lord is saying that to you. When we discover a tomb in our hearts, sometimes we don't know how on earth we got there. It's, it's like a mystery to us. Sometimes it's also important to say that it's not our fault. Occasionally, yeah, we do choose things that aren't of God and that can get us into patterns of sin or whatever it might be. But sometimes people can really hurt us and it can leave us wounded. And the only way we know how to deal with that is to kind of create all these walls and rooms and caves and tombs to deal with it. But tonight I have good news for you. It doesn't matter how many walls you have in your heart. It doesn't matter how many rooms, caves or tombs. Jesus already lives inside of your heart. He's already there and he wants to break down those walls. He wants to enter those rooms. He wants to clean up those caves and he wants to resurrect you from your tombs. Jesus is alive. <laughs> Jesus is alive. It, like, Good Friday doesn't have the last word. Easter Sunday does. So it doesn't matter how dark or bleak the state of our hearts can look. God can do anything 
when we say, come, come in, Lord. I don't want to keep this part of my life just for myself anymore. I want you to have access. God cares so much about our hearts becoming free. He cares so much about your heart becoming more free tonight. Recently, I was in Vienna and I was helping serve at this conference. It was a healing conference. And um, we were praying for people's bodies to be healed. Because did you know that anybody can pray for healing? Anybody can pray for healing in the name of Jesus. And to demonstrate this, the guy that was leading the conference, a guy called Patrick, he asked if anybody there had a bad shoulder. And so this lady came forward and she did. And then he said, okay, is anybody here never prayed for healing before? Because he wanted to demonstrate that anybody could pray for healing. And this woman said, oh yeah, no, I've never prayed for healing before. It was like a training conference. Anyway, she came, we'd been given notes of like how to pray for healing, like different steps. So she came forward like clutching her notes. She was so nervous. Anyway, the lady who'd had the bad shoulder, she had frozen shoulder. So she couldn't get her shoulder, her arm, further than this. And it was extreme pain. If zero is no pain and 10 is extreme pain, it was a 10. And that day when she'd driven to park her car, she had to pause, park her car, and like get, leave the car to press the button on the parking machine because she couldn't use her arm. She couldn't get further than this. Anyway, basically they came forward And it got to the stage where the lady who was praying for her was saying, in Jesus' name, be well, be healed arm, be healed shoulder. And she asked if she could um, pray that prayer in her mother tongue. And Patrick said, sure, like, what's your mother tongue? She said, oh, I'm from the Czech Republic. So he said, yeah, that's absolutely fine. She prayed this prayer. (laughs) And all glory to God, it went from a 10 to a zero. She was going like this. Come on, give her up for the Lord. From a 10 to a zero. Jesus is alive. Later on that night, this woman was testifying on the microphone. We had this big healing service where we'd invited lots more people in. And she got up and she started telling this story. She then said to Patrick, oh, there's a part of the story that I um, actually, I didn't mention earlier. Can I mention it now? Patrick's like looking at the 1,000 people in front of him thinking, okay, it's a bit risky, but yeah, sure, what, what is it? This woman said that two years before, She had been severely emotionally hurt by two women from the Czech Republic. And she had said to herself, I am never trusting people from the Czech Republic again. She used to avoid people from um, the Czech Republic like the plague. And so then when this woman said, can I pray in my mother tongue? And she said it was Czech. She's there like, oh my days. This is nuts. She then said that after the healing, the woman who was from the Czech Republic hugged her and she says she's never seen such love in her eyes than from this woman. She testified on the microphone that night that God hadn't just healed her arm, he'd also healed her heart. This is our God. 
He doesn't just care about your bodies being well, of which he does, by the way. <laughs> if you need healing for something in your body, we must ask him to. But he wants our hearts to be free. This really matters. Because like we said earlier, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, says Jesus. I.e., if we don't deal with our stuff and there's a load of places that God is not allowed to enter and we've got wounds or lies that have taken root, we will live out of it. Have, have you guys seen the film Walk the Line? Hands up if you've seen the film Walk the Line. It's a cracking film. I find it really sad, but it's, it's about a guy called Johnny Cash, who I'm sure you'll know. And um, basically, I find it fascinating, this story. Johnny Cash, he effectively, when he was a little boy, his dad said to him, your brother shouldn't have died, you should have died. And then basically what ends up happening is Johnny Cash is constantly living his life in self-sabotage mode. He's just constantly wanting to prove himself. He's living out of this lie. Behavior always expresses a need. You know, someone doesn't just wake up difficult. <laughs> it always expresses a need. So tonight, I really believe the Lord wants us to come face to face with our hearts to look with him at the walls, the rooms, the caves and the tombs, not in any sense of self-condemnation, but so that we can experience more of his freedom and his light. We talk a lot in the church about surrender, don't we? You guys might have heard that. What does that actually even look like? I believe it's just about giving God access. Giving God access. Come into this part, Lord. I don't want to claim it for myself anymore. You can come in. <laughs> you can help me here. A final thought. We don't serve a perfectionist God. Don't be afraid of the mess. <laughs> if this feels a bit messy, don't be afraid of the mess. But we also do not serve a powerless God. God can do anything. Sometimes when we look at all these walls, rooms, caves and tombs and we're like, oh my days, it's so thick and so dark. It's like paper to him. <laughs> Is it, he, it's like paper to him. He can do anything. Our God is so powerful. So um, I really feel the Lord wants us to respond to this. Why should we do this? Why, why should we? I have experienced that as I have given God more of my heart. <laughs> I've become more free. I experience joy even in sorrow. I experience peace in places where there is anxiety. I no longer suffer with anxiety anymore. Glory to God. I've become more brave. We can become more like able to pursue our dreams. 
We can pray and we can be in silence and we cannot want to scream and run out of the place. We can start to like ourselves. We can, we can start to love ourselves. We can start to love others better. We can start to become more courageous and act against injustice in our world because God is holding us and he's taking care of us. Tonight, I sense the Holy Spirit wants us to look. And you, I really feel strongly, you may know, even as I've been speaking tonight, what walls, rooms, caves, and tombs you have in your heart. Some of you like instantly were like, oh yeah, I know what it is. Don't ignore the Holy Spirit. If you felt some conviction in your heart, he wants to lovingly take you there so he can free you. But I felt strongly to say to you tonight that there was a moment in my life where instead of just giving God piecemeal parts of my heart, I just said to the Lord, have it all. It was a time after church. It was a very insignificant Sunday. But I felt this prayer rise up in me, which was like, God, I don't want to refuse you anything anymore. You can have it all. We're going to pray. We're going to ask Jesus to come. And this is your heart. No one else can do this work for you. No one else can look at your heart other than you and the Lord. A couple of thoughts on posture. Like, we want to follow the Holy Spirit tonight. We just want to go where he wants us to go. Sometimes we can get into panic mode and we can be like, there's so much to change, God. Oh, my word. And by hook or by crook, I'll force my way into those caves. No, no. We just rest. The Holy Spirit is going to take us to the places where he wants us to go. That is the posture that we adopt tonight. And as we observe these obstacles in our hearts, we don't so much focus on them, we focus on him. <laughs> we don't look at the problem, we, we look at the solution. And we have the solution in Jesus. I ask you to stand. So we're just going to spend some time just waiting. The band, if you guys want to come up. Um, we're just going to spend a bit of time just in silence, not, not any music yet. Because often stuff can kind of come up in our hearts that the Lord wants to deal with when we're silent. That, that's often why we don't, we're not silent. Because <laughs> we don't want to look at our stuff. We are so safe tonight. The Lord is holding this tent in his beautiful hands. He's, he's holding your heart. And I just invite you, if you'd like to, to close your eyes and, and just ask the Lord 
Lord, are there any walls, rooms, caves, or tombs that you would like to free me of tonight? And just let the Holy Spirit come now. Let him show you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just let him show you, let him shine your light, his light in your heart. Some people I sense are going to be seeing things that they're surprised by. Like, oh wow, I hadn't quite realized I'd blocked the Lord off in that. Let him continue to mercifully show you. Thank you, Holy Spirit.